Hey friend, I wanted to come on before you start listening to this episode and give you two warnings. One, this one includes a few little F-bombs. So if you tend to listen to this podcast with the little ones in tow, you might want to pop in your headphones. If they're in the car, maybe listen to it another time. The second warning is we really dive deep into this tool that we were both trained in called the model. And I am including an example of it in the show notes so that if you're not as familiar with it, you can follow along. If you have not listened to episode number three about dealing with overwhelm, you can go to that episode first to get a better understanding about what the model is and then listen to this episode. I hope you enjoy. All our lives, we've been told to go to school, get good grades, get a good job, and you'll be set. How's that working out for you? I'm Tavana Denise, physical therapist turned life and business coach, and I'm on a mission to help you create a life you love and a business on your terms. If you want more time, more freedom, more flexibility, I can help you create it. Welcome to Breaking Protocol, the show for women in healthcare who want more. I cannot wait to get into this topic. Today, I'm joined by Brig Johnson, a life and mindset coach on a mission to help high achieving Black women become unfuckwithable. Say that three times real fast. If you're listening and you're like, but I'm not Black, don't worry. What we're about to get in today applies to all high achieving women, especially those of us in healthcare. Briggs' unique approach combines her knowledge as an advanced practice healthcare provider with her skill as a life coach. She gets laser focused on thought loop errors her clients may be experiencing and not only walks them through the process of releasing and replacing limiting beliefs, but she shows them how those beliefs are keeping them stuck. Her signature three-step process helps clients get results through the process of creating a personal revolution in their thinking. After coaching with her, you will be your own Shiro, creating a life you love to live, recognizing your worth through sufficiency in every situation. Now, I say this for all high achieving women, especially for those of us in healthcare, because Brig and I were talking last night about the process we're going through to become master coach certified and how at times we're being so hard on ourselves that I was like, wait a minute. Everybody needs to hear how you broke this down because not only do black women do this, I actually only work with women in healthcare and I see it all the time, no matter what race they are. So first of all, thank you so much, Brig, for coming in and sharing your wisdom with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) There are so many places we could go with this, but Mm -hmm. I know you maintain your practice as a nurse anesthetist. Yes. So what do you see in your By the hospital? way, you say that better than I do. Ah. <laughs> and I've been doing it for 20 years. <laughs> Just about. My mom used to talk about enunciating all the time. So maybe that's what it is. Right. But uh, what do you see in your hospital and with your coaching clients? Like, why do you think this is a common theme? Beating ourselves up as we're on our way to our goals amongst women in healthcare. Ah, I think there's this image of us of where and what the journey should be like and what it actually is. And it's so easy for all of us. We're all wired to believe our negative. So soon as we come up against 
our vision of what we think it should look like and it doesn't, we automatically make it mean something's wrong with us because that's easier for us to believe than the fact that, oh, this is just normal. I don't understand why we do that, but as humans, instead of saying, oh, of course, this is normal. I cannot learn how to ride a bike by watching a video. I literally have to get on the bike and fall a couple of times in order to ride the bike. But for some reason, we think in healthcare and as high achieving women, there's this image of we're supposed to just like read it, look at it, and then just sail upward. <laughs> I'm giggling because yes, I have fallen victim. It's like, okay, but so why do you think it is that in some areas of our lives, we get that concept that can't just look at somebody on the treadmill working out and then our cardiovascular improve? We know that we actually have to do it. It's actually going to be uncomfortable and all of that. The same thing with lifting weights. But when it comes to our businesses, why do you think there's that disconnect understanding in one area, but not the other? I think a lot of times for me, what I find that the disconnect is, is that we are outsourcing our self-worth to our business at that moment. Like we want our business to make us feel comfortable about who we are, as opposed to keeping our self-worth and our business worth in two separate containers. So when we're looking at our businesses, we want our businesses to make us feel good about ourselves. Hmm. That's our job to do that, not our business job to do that. Whoa. Okay. If that's the case, which it 100% is, because I learned that the hard way, on the other end of having achieved the goal, both you and I were trained in a coaching tool called The Model. Mm -hmm. Many of the women listening to this podcast have heard me break down the model, but can you give an example of what you mean in terms of our business and our worth is entangled and we want the business to make us feel better? How does that show up with the model? I think for us, instead of it's a C-T-F-A-R, whereas our thoughts create our feelings, our feelings create our actions and our action creates our results, which our result is our business, right? Mm-hmm. We kind of do it a little bit differently. We do our business creates our feelings. And because we feel this way, we act this way, and then we can think we're successful. Oh, we have it kind of backwards. Or some kind of play on that. Like the think we're successful comes after we've done the business. So that's why we're in such a hurry to get the business to do something. Mm-hmm. Like we want to see success in the business because as soon as we see success in a the business, then we can think what we did was worth it. We're successful. We made right decisions. Like we can choose those thoughts now. So what do you recommend instead? We literally have to work the model. Like I literally take my clients through whatever it is you think and feel after you reach the goal, which is like for some it's 100K, some it's just getting their first client. Whatever it is you're going to think and feel that's available to you now with zero results, you get to create that. So one thing that I see with my clients a lot is they want to feel confident before they take action. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you work with your client on that process? Because obviously we're talking about, okay, they've mixed up the model too. Right. I think on that, on a confidence, probably the same thing you do, which is confidence comes last. Courage comes first. Capability comes next. And then confidence. 
that's kind of the way I say it. I know you probably have a twist on it because that's your, that's your niche. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, mine is, is like before confidence come, like, can you just be courageous enough to feel all the feels and do the damn thing anyway? Like, that's it. You touched on an interesting point there because we're talking about feeling all the feels. And I know for me personally, this has been a challenge because I would just have a thought and skip the feeling and or try to muscle through or resist the feeling and take a bunch of action to get my results. And I could get the results, but I was exhausted on the other end. So when you talk about feeling your feelings, like how does a person, especially us in healthcare, where mm -hmm if it's a cold blue, mm -hmm. everybody can't be freaking out. So right. we have to keep calm and do what we need to do. So how do we start to untangle or undo that pattern if that's what we learn to do in our profession? Right. I think for one thing, we have to separate what it means to actually feel our feelings. A lot of times we think feeling our feelings is reacting to our feelings. Mm. Reacting to our feelings during a cold is like, no. You can't do anything if you're reacting to your feelings, but you can totally do something if you're feeling your feelings. Like mm -hmm. I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling worried or whatever. It comes with you, but reacting to them in like, oh, that's different. There's mm -hmm. a difference. How do they know if they are actually in a moment feeling the feelings or resisting the feelings? Mm, that's completely different because resisting the feeling is when you're just pushing it down or trying to no ignore it. Like, I don't want to feel this. It comes with some kind of way of I'm going to resist it. I'm going to avoid it. I don't want to feel it. I don't have time for that. It's a pushing away of it. If it was a swing door, it wouldn't be able to open in and come in because you would be on the other side forcing the door so much. So, and the more you force it, the more force it comes back with. That's the bad thing about resistance is when we resist, it just actually grow. It's like the two-year-old talking to us and saying, mama, mama. And then the more we ignore the two-year-old, the two-year-old just like, mama, mama, mama. So it's the same thing. Our brain is just saying, do you see the danger? Do you see it? Are you aware of it? It's there for a purpose. It's just saying, do you see it? Now with our prefrontal cortex, we can definitely say, I see it. And actually it really isn't a danger. I understand that you still think it is, but actually here's a spotlight. It's not a boogeyman, it's a shadow. But that's what happens when we feel it and we look at it and we go towards it. Hmm. I think that process can be very scary for many people, which right. you know, I think that's why we all need coaches. Right, right. Because right. we right. can't see it sometimes for mm -hmm. what it is. And I think what you just talked about in terms of shining the light on it mm -hmm. is what I do and what you do for your clients. Like, okay, let me stand next to you. I got the flashlight. It's okay. Right. Let's, let's do that. But you, you have a process, a three-step process that you talked about how you help them love their ugly. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Are you talking about the love yourself, own your shit, and be your own shiro? Sure. Tell me, <laughs> tell me more about that. Because I was like, I'm reading this bio, getting all excited about a three-step process. I got my pen and paper and I'm ready. To love your ugly, that's really my process to becoming unfuckwithable. But to become unfuckwithable really is to a love your good, your bad, and your ugly. I think it's easy for us. Most of us love our good. A few of us love our, you know, our bad. But very rarely do we love our ugly and see that as a part of us. 
like we usually want to separate ourselves from it, cut it off, hide it, or we really want to convince ourselves to get right. Like that's the, come on, get right, get right. Like we beat ourselves up. So it's either one of those two things that we do to our ugly. And my thing is, is just to acknowledge that it's there and not make it mean anything. Like if your clients know about the sea line, like whatever it is, something that happened to us in the past, something we said, something we've done, who we are, what we look like, anything that we think is ugly, it's just the thing that separates us from ourselves, Mm -hmm. all of us. And it makes us shun ourselves. So it's just to talk about the facts of it as opposed to the thoughts about it. And it is neutral and see it as neutral. Tell me all three of the steps again. Okay. When we do that, then we love ourselves completely. Okay. And we love everything about us, our good, our bad, and our ugly. And then we own our shit, meaning there's some things about our ugly that weren't even ours. Not everything that we think is our ugly is our ugly. It's somebody else's. Somebody did something, somebody said something, somebody had a result. Like mothers have a tendency to do this with their kids. Like their kids do something and we take it as our ugly. It's your kids. Give me an example. For example, your kid run a red light, I don't know, like gets a ticket or truancy or smokes dope or something. And we take that on as I didn't do a good job. It was my parenting. You know, we take that on as our ugly. We make it mean something about us. Our husband may or may not like go out and have an affair. That's his action. But we take that on as our ugly right? Our parents may do something and it may or may not have an effect on us. And we take that on as our ugly. Other people's results, other people's actions, what they say, that's not our ugly. So the first thing I want to do is own your shit, like your shit, own it. But if it's not your shit, give it back to them. I want to reference a podcast that you turned me on to from the Life Coach School called Returning Models. Yes. That thing, that like gave me so much of my life and my power back. Right. Because exactly what you're talking about when it comes to so-and-so did this so that it means something about me. Right. False. So we'll definitely link that up in the show notes because- If you really understand the model and what Brig is talking about, the model is the circumstance is what it is, a neutral fact, and we have thoughts about it. And in this case, the circumstance becomes whatever that person did or said or didn't do or didn't say. And then we have a thought about it. And then we feel a certain way because we have that thought. And then we take actions from that space. And then we get the results that we have in our lives. But for so long, For so long, I would take that on. And I believe a lot of women are doing that. Right. We take on, as high achieving women, we take on the thoughts that our boss may have about us, our coworkers may have about us, the things that they say, we make it mean something about us and we take on their models. No, they can have their thoughts about us and we can still be who we are. Like they can think whatever, give it back to them. Like I totally give it back to them. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm thinking about it now. And this is fascinating, too, because when you think about the high achieving woman who takes on other people's models, like it works in this way, too. We take Mm -hmm. on responsibility about how other people feel. 
Right. It right. doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Just like we put that other person's actions or what they say or do in our circumstance, what we say or do or don't say or don't do goes in their circumstance. And what I find for clients, and this is especially for those in business, they are afraid, they're petrified of making a mistake. They're into the perfectionism and stuff because they somehow think that their actions cause people to feel a certain way. Right. Where they can take enough action to create results for someone else. So could right. you, from your point of view, kind of explain that, especially for those of us that are in healthcare, used to taking care of people and now starting to tiptoe into business, like, okay, well, what if I can't get the results? Yeah. I think for high achieving women specifically, one of the things is, is we have a tendency to validate ourselves through our action. I use the term, we are human doings. We are told to be human doings, not human beings. We literally want the validation. So we take all the actions because we operate as if our actions create a thought that they will have and that they will respond in a way that's favorable so that they validate us. So if we want someone else to validate us, then we just go on our A-line and we just work, 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 work. Like, I want them to see I'm a good worker. I'm going to work extra. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And in return, we think we're like influencing the other person to give us positive feedback so that we can feel good about ourselves. I tell everybody, that's kind of the long way around. Like you can feel good about yourself without working yourself into a frenzy, trying to change someone else's feelings about you because it never works. But that's what we're taught as women in general, that what we do gives our value. Like think about it from the 1950s on, like, ooh, she can cook, she can clean, she could, like we would make the list. The list was what she could do, not who she was, mm. right? Like when they were describing the perfect woman is like what she can do, like she can cook this, she can do this, she can clean and she can have some kids. <laughs> so it's what we do. And so we've kind of adopted that valuation of ourselves as opposed to we are enough just as we are. And so when we move from healthcare, maybe to business, we do the same thing. That's why we're in such a rush to get our business off the ground to show that we're doing something because we want the validation now to come from the business. See, I got it to hundred K like, look, I'm successful. It's going to come. So we do all the things to try to create the results so that we can feel better. I think, but I'm not sure. So I would love for you to explain the concept of sufficiency. I mm. think that's kind of what you're talking, getting towards. Yes. There. Yes. What exactly does that mean? And how does it help us to create different results? I think it goes back to understanding the two containers. One container is your self-worth. Your self-worth is set. I tell people all the time, like my self-worth is the same as Beyonce. It's the same as Beyonce. It's the same as Michelle Obama, Uma Thurman, whoever you can think of. There's nothing I can take away from it. It's the same. That's it. It's exact. Now, my business worth is different. I guarantee you my business worth is not the same as Beyonce. Beyonce's business worth is a little bit different than mine, <laughs> right? Her business value. But when we know that our self-value is sufficient and we're not needing our business to borrow from it to make us feel sufficient, then we're in for the long haul. It's like we're in for the, the failures, feeling bad, or the successes, all of it, because we're not robbing it. We don't need it to do anything but be where it is. 
And if it fails, if whatever happens doesn't work, if the client calls us and says, you know what? I thought I was going to do it. I'm going to change and go to somebody else. We don't make it mean anything about us, our value. Now our business value may be different, but our value is fine. And so we do our job to take care of ourselves. So we're not operating in a negative. I think this is going to require a listen or two or three for people. (laughs) We're definitely going to put the model in the show notes so you can look at what we're talking about. But if you were to just lay out a one, two, three, how could a person really start to separate their self-worth from their business's worth so that they're not in a rush and they're not in a hurry? Like, I, I definitely understand what you mean now about we're in a rush, we're in a hurry to get the business up and running, first client, 100K, whatever the goal is, because we think that we'll be happy or more valuable or worthy once we get that goal. So we're going to do all of the things and we're ourselves into the ground. Or even if we haven't started a business, we're going to take the extra shifts when we don't want to and do all of those things so that people will think we're a good person or whatever. She's a good person. I love having her around. Right. Right. She's such a hard worker. (laughs) She's such a hard worker. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, okay. If somebody is like, okay, this slow nod is happening. Brig, I think I understand what you're saying there. Mm -hmm. What would you suggest a person do to start this process of building their own sufficiency? I think for that, it is really understanding and reminding himself, oh, I'm whole already. I like to name out my fuck ups or my, my ugly or whatever and say, and I'm still lovable, whatever it is, whatever I think is giving me angst, like the client did whatever. It's like, oh, and I'm still lovable. It didn't have anything to do with my lovability. Just reminding my brain to calm down. I'm lovable. Because it all really goes back down to that feeling of belonging and not wanting to get kicked off the island. And so to understand that at its basic premise is we really just want to belong. We want to be recognized by the tribe. So understand that. But the best relationship you can have is your relationship with your yourself. Like, I love me. All of me. And when I think about getting kicked off of the island and want to be a part of the tribe, like that's just hardwired into our DNA to not And so I don't know if it was you or someone else was like, but which tribe? Mm -hmm. And that paused me in my Mm -hmm. tracks because I was like, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. I can just find another tribe. Doesn't mean I have to belong to this particular tribe. Take the initiative and go find some people who would accept me and my ugly and the, the positives and the whatevers. I think when we're in our fight or flight and we're like fighting for it and we holding on and we have attachment to form of what it's going to look like. The problem we have is like we have attachment to the shoulds, what it should look like, what it's going to look like. When we have attachment to form, then we only see it in one way. But if we release it, then we open ourselves up to ask ourselves better questions. It's like, oh, I can create another tribe. I can have two tribes. Who said I could just have one tribe? I can have two tribes. Oh, I can belong in this one. I can have a tribe. I can have a dancing tribe. I can have a vacation tribe. I, I can have a nursing tribe. I can have a life coach tribe. I think the more we accept ourselves as ourselves, the less we have to borrow from our business to make us feel good. And the more we call ourselves, like I like to teach my clients how to call themselves out on their bullshit. Just literally call yourself out on it. What are you doing? I literally talk to myself all the time and I tell myself, oh, you think there is better. I just slow down enough to ask myself, what am I doing? And then pay attention. Whenever I feel an emotion, I just feel it. Going back to your, how you process the emotion. I just feel it. I talk to myself. Sometimes I'll breathe 
And then I ask it, what is it trying to tell me? What is it afraid of? And then I usually go back to the model with it, go back to the basics. What am I afraid of? What am I thinking that's creating that feeling? And then call myself out on my bullshit on that. Because it's like, oh, you're feeling like you're never going to get there. Or you're feeling like somebody else is better than you. Or you're feeling, you're thinking this, you're thinking this. And so I just call myself out on it. You're thinking you're not supposed to have any hard times. This is a common one I tell myself all the time. It's like the only problem you're having is you're thinking it's supposed to be happening differently. Oh, you think you're not supposed to have your 50-50. This is just your 50. Yeah, I mean, and life is positive 50% of the time and negative 50% of the time. And and it's really interesting because I think somewhere along the line, we got this misinformation that we're supposed to be, quote, happy all the time. And it's like, well, would you appreciate your wellness if there were never times of illness? Would you appreciate the sun if there were never times of rain? Going back to just like we were talking about with the treadmill and working out versus our business, Mm -hmm. for some reason, we're like, okay, there's rain sometimes and it's not that big of a deal. Right. But we think, oh, there's this uncomfortable emotion. And then we go into a tizzy about that. Right. I think the uncomfortable emotion and we go to a tizzy on it is because we make it mean stop. We're not ready. We can't do it. We have thoughts about that. When we hit a a speed bump, we use that as evidence that we're not supposed to be doing it. So that's why all the the angst about it, like, oh no, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm wrong. I wasn't made for this. I'm crazy, especially the high achieving woman. Because we're always told to calm down. Society tells us you're dreaming too much. You're standing out too much. Calm it down. So whenever we get, you can imagine if you're a high achieving woman and then Society is telling you to calm it down, like stay in the box and you're outside the box and then you hit a roll bump. Of course, the first thing you're going to say is, yeah, see, that's true. All it really means is that that's an opportunity for growth. That's the only thing a speed bump means, but we make it mean a whole bunch. I'm never going to get there. I wasn't supposed to do this. I was wrong. I wasn't meant for this. I should go back. All of it. Back to safety. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Go back in the game. Sleep on the floor with your fire. <laughs> yeah. Forget the Holiday Inn. That's just down the street. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is so good. Have we touched on everything? Is there anything else you think that the listeners need to know about when we talk about loving your ugly, not worrying about mistakes and what all this means? Yeah, I think when we really understand that we create our feelings, no one else does, our business doesn't, nothing else creates our feelings but us. We're responsible for how we feel all the time, all the time. When we really own that, like, oh, I'm feeling this way because I'm thinking something that's out of alignment from where I am. And I can feel that and I'm willing to feel the discomfort too, but like really owning that. I just finished a masterclass on feeling our emotions. I think when we are able to feel all of our emotions, that is the thing that makes us unfuckwithable. When you're willing to experience any emotion, you just fly. I'm just going to put a pin in it right there because I have nothing to say. (laughs) You are so right. I think if I, if I could have a last word, it is, I think the beauty of doing this work is that we improve our relationship with ourselves. That's the best relationship you can ever have is your relationship with yourself. And when you love yourself, all of it, then you're willing to go out there 
and shine a spotlight on you. Because if they find that your hair is blue, you've already done your work on it. You're like, yeah, my hair is blue. It's not like I have to hide it. Yeah. Or it's you've done your work and you're like, no, you may be interpreting as that, but no, I've done my work. My hair is not blue and you give it back to them. So that's what doing your work is. It helps you to show up in your best self and have your own back. But the reason why your relationship with yourself is so important is because then you learned how to do relationship with others. The first relationship is your relationship with yourself. When you improve that, you improve your relationships with others, your ability to see them for where they are, their compassion and have compassion and like meet them where they are and talk to them where they are. When you can cross-cultural do relationships, that's business. Good relationships is good business. So that's why starting with your relationship with yourself for the high achieving woman is so important because in the end, it affects your relationship with others. Your relationship with others really is business. That's all business is. Touche, touche. Rick, thank you so much for taking the time to share your wisdom with us. Where can the people find you and follow you and listen to your new podcast that's coming out? rickjohnson.com is the website coach with brig is facebook and instagram is johnson brig my new upcoming podcast with all the feels that i have right now about it is and i'm feeling it and doing it anyway is breakthrough with brig it's due to come out the first of november so i'm excited about putting my voice out there as country and twangy and everything else as it is <laughs> It, it yes. is what it is, right? And it's beautiful exactly how it is. Thank you so much again, Brig, for joining us. And if you are looking forward to building your relationship with yourself and as you build your business, feel free to reach out to me at tavanadenise.com forward slash momentum and let's get you started. So until next time, friends, 